Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. My friends, I hope everyone's doing well. Today, I wanted to talk about you, the caregiver, the care partner, and what are you doing to help yourself with your individual needs and taking care of the things that you need the most, your health, your well-being, your uh, physical appearance, just your outlook on life, you know, your perspective at this point in time. Are you still positive? Are you feeling pretty negative when you get up in the morning? What are you doing that's going to address your needs? Well, I want to really dive into this today and kind of take a strong look at what are some specific ideas that we can look at and employ that are going to make your life a little bit easier on your journey of helping someone with a degenerative brain disease and memory loss. So the biggest thing I want you to think about is setting realistic expectations, okay? Sometimes we we don't do that. Sometimes we just make lists of things we need to do in the morning while we pour a cup of coffee and we're kind of on our way, or you just take take whatever comes to you and deal with it at that point. If you don't plan ahead to be successful, I think you can plan to fail. And I don't want you to plan to fail, okay? So when you set those realistic expectations, what I really want you to embrace is because you care about your loved one, your person that that you're focusing on, no matter who it is, family member, spouse, parent, you know, whatever, okay, you can easily lose sight of how much you can realistically give day in and day out. This is where a lot of us go wrong. This is where we, we don't know when we need to refill our tank. We don't understand when we're getting too low on our energy level and when we need to replenish it, okay? So I want you to think about asking yourself some questions like, what is the state of my health? We focus a lot on what the person with the diagnosis has going on, but we don't look at our own health. And how much of that physical care can you actually provide, if any? Are you frail? yourself? Are you losing weight? Are you not feeling good about yourself? So if that's um, an issue for you, I want you to really take a good, strong look at how much time you spend on caregiving away from, you know, other family obligations or away from your job and things like that. And what kind of support do you have? Make a list. Who's there to support you? Who's helping you? Who's offered to assist you in some way or bring food or what have you? Okay. Um, And how much money can you spend on caring for your loved one and yourself without jeopardizing everything you have in the bank? I want you to take a good, hard look at those questions because you really need to understand the finances and 
you know, can you afford at some point in time to have a home care company come in, like a home instead or something else like that? Um, can you have family members that come by and will s- spend a couple hours on a Saturday that you could get that free of charge? What is that going to look like? Are there volunteers from your church who will come over? Can you do a share of the care like I've talked about on past shows? If not, um, it's going to hit your pocketbook. And you'll be surprised. A lot of times, places like uh, Home Instead, Touching Hearts, uh, Visiting Angels, if you have a person with Alzheimer's or various dementias, you're going to spend somewhere around $35 an hour. I think that's about the average. Uh, $35 an hour at a three-hour minimum per day. So now you're looking at $105 a day. That adds up really quickly if you need them to come a couple of days a week. So... Setting those realistic expectations, can you employ families to come and help? Volunteers, friends from your church, whatever. Um, and what it, what are your finances telling you? What will you be able to afford over the long run? And how is that going to look if you have to spend X amount of money? I can tell you, I think you could probably spend close to $10,000 just upgrading your house with safety measures easily. I mean, from chair lifts to grab bars to, um, you know, locks on your doors, uh, taking the car keys away, uh, fixing your garage so it has a code that doesn't open, you know, all these kinds of things. And then if you have anything that physically has to be added, like that chair list or something, you could easily be looking at the labor being double of what the cost is. So those are things you really need to think about. Now, I also want you to really step back and review your living situation. So, Are you close to services? Are you close to a local gas station or a store, you know, someplace that you can maybe go and get a massage, a coffee shop? Uh, Do your local stores deliver? Or are you in a rural area? Many of you, my listeners, are in very, very rural areas where you don't have any services whatsoever very close. So now you have to maybe... Uh, pay somebody to bring food out to your house or, you know, take your loved one into town, which we all know can be very difficult. The drive can be difficult. The, um, the, just the whole journey itself can cause a host of problems you never even thought about. Um, getting the person in and out of the car, if you've got a black interior, they won't get in and out. It's hard to get them up in the morning in the shower and ready to go and brushing their teeth just to get them to a doctor appointment. So do you need to maybe look around and say, this might be a chance where I could move to someplace a little closer or downsize my house, be in a place where I could actually have some services? These are all tough questions, and they're not easy easy decisions at all. But I want you to really think about that, okay? So with that, if you have an upstairs bedroom and your person is losing their balance, they're having problems with their movement, Uh, balance issues where they're falling, leaning forward, leaning to the side when they're walking, things like that. Can you move to a room downstairs? You know, it might be a situation where you have to have somebody come over and, and take the front 
living room and put a bed in it like a or a jerry chair or something like that again leading back to those finances and and so forth these are all all difficult things to really think about and and maybe physically move the furniture and things like that but it could make you better off in the long run because if they fall if they fall down those stairs if they take a slip and they break something you're going to have a hospital bill that will make you cry. <laughs> I'm so serious about that. So, so look at those kinds of things. Is it is it worth it to keep them upstairs or would it be better to just do the you know, the physical work to bring a bed downstairs and make it so that uh you have a living situation in a place that's not going to cause a potential hazard. So speaking of that, um do you have any tripping hazards, electrical cords, uh, maybe throw rugs? I When I provide in-home assessments, I see throw rugs in houses, and it just absolutely drives me crazy because they're loose, they're slipping on the floor, they have an edge turned up or something like that. And I I see those as potential trip hazards all over the place. So look at these pretty ornate things that you brought into your home. Is it really important to have that throw rug that your loved one could slip and fall on? I think not. I think we need to think about these things and and um, really assess, are they safety issues? Are they hazard issues? And can you make it better? Here's another thing. How about lighting inside the house? Is the lighting adequate? Do you have uh, enough wattage in your in your maybe uh, ceiling cans where you have your lights in places? Do you just have a lamp that's sitting over on a, a table that maybe has a 40-watt bulb and now needs a 75-watt bulb so things are a little brighter and, and your person with dementia can... Um, see a little bit better and not not uh, struggle with shadows and things like that. You might ask, so why am I talking about, you know, the self-care if I'm talking about these different aspects? Well, because it all comes back to your peace of mind. It all comes back to if you've got the house set up in a way that is healthy for everybody and there are no hazards that are going to cause a serious trauma and have that resulting in a hospital stay and and even worse issues. It's better off for you. You'll sleep better. You'll be happier. You won't worry so much about addressing issues as they arise. You will have taken charge of it and made sure that you uh, completed your little task list here that I'm kind of trying to help you build today and make that so much easier for you in the long run. And I promise it will be easier for you. So, you know, sometimes we get to a point where we think that scope of care is just too much. And we might opt to have our loved one move into a residential community, a memory unit, assisted living, whatever they can qualify for, or move in with a child, you know, one of their children another family member or something like that. All I can say to you about that is try not to rush into a hasty decision on this in any level. It really won't help you if you rush into a a decision. And don't always think that 
putting your loved one in the care of another family member who has not taken the steps that you have for safety and and maybe even classes or you know just acceptance and growth of the disease all over all around then then you're setting that person up for failure not only the caregiver but the person that has the diagnosis so i really want to make sure that we're thinking about those kinds of things and i talked about in-home care support you know just a minute ago but in-home care support from a or a good day care center if they ever open back up can be fantastic options i'm really hoping that the Johnson Center here in Denver will open up again soon because I know the families that were taking their loved ones to that daycare program needed that respite time. They needed that time to themselves and alone. And when that has been taken away, I'm seeing a lot of short fuses with caregivers with their person, and I don't want that to happen. Also, I want you to really think about giving yourself some time after you've had the initial diagnosis and you're looking at what's going to change in the family dynamic. How are you going to adjust to this news? Are you going to hover over the person? Are you still going to continue to let them uh, make decisions throughout the day and and stay as viable and strong as they always have been? Or are they a little bit too far advanced? We tend as family members to focus just on what the person has lost and not so much of what they can still do. I want you to also think of the option of using some of the services that I've mentioned. And not only using them, but using them often. You know, you need these support services. Friends, uh, your your church, uh, maybe your local Alzheimer's Association, having classes, the support groups that you could go to. These things not only provide education and support to you, but they also provide a little bit of respite care to you. So it's it's super important to look at what education can you give to yourself. You know, I've said over and over that I have classes uh, that I offer, and I'm going to have a class coming up in February, um, and that uh, I, I believe it's February 3rd, 1.30 to 3.30. It's always the first Wednesday of the month, so check me on that. You can get in on that class. You just have to go to summitresiliencetraining.com. You can go to events, and it will be listed there, the date, what the class is about. And in February, that class is going to be about finances and legal issues that I can possibly help you with. So just something like that. Learn a little bit more. Don't just assume that you can go to a bank and say, I want to take over the bank account for this person and start writing checks without having a power of attorney or having a letter from your doctor that substantiates the fact that they have a a degenerative brain disease. You have to have all those things in place. People aren't going to just take your word for it and you'll hit roadblocks if you haven't taken care of things like that. Okay, so that that self-care of of finding support from family and friends, joining a support group, I just cannot stress how much I think that will assist you in the peace of your life. And again, it gives you an hour or two away from your loved one, once a week maybe, or more, that you can really relax and um, 
talk about what you're feeling and and sort of move ahead with a better understanding and an empathetic ear that is making you feel a little better. So with that, I want to talk about the next thing is I want you to find a confidant, okay? I want you to find a trusted friend or a counselor that can make you feel understood. That can make all the difference in the world. Just talking to someone, mulling over the ideas, mulling over activities that you could create, venting to them about maybe your deepest sadness or you know, you've tried a certain technique and it didn't work. Have they tried something, you know, that maybe they could help you with? Try to find somebody that will be non-judgmental and that will respect your confidentiality. That's not going to go out and blab to everybody in your family and all your friends and your small town about what's going on in your house behind closed doors. Make sure that you can trust them. Okay, and they also need to understand your needs. They need to understand and sympathize with whatever stress you're having. And if you are talking to a person who isn't trying to help you with that, um, I think you're talking to the wrong person. So find somebody else, like a counselor, a colleague. Again, contact your local Alzheimer's Association. Check with your local area agency on aging or senior citizen programs and see who you can talk to that would possibly help you with some of the strife that you're dealing with, some of the trials and tribulations. And, uh, you know, just anything that is bothering you that you need to get off your chest. Because if you let it grow and grow and grow and you let that stress meter reach 10, you're not going to be good for anybody. You're not going to be good for the person with the diagnosis and you're not going to be good for yourself. And I'm telling you what, sometimes it only takes one friend or a family member that can provide that shoulder to cry on or be a good listener to make you feel like you're okay again to set you back to all right, that you can continue on with your work and continue on what you're doing and doing it in a loving, compassionate way. So really think about that. Make sure you have that person that you can confide in. All right, here's another one. I thought this was really good. Practice assertiveness. So what does that mean? That means sometimes it's difficult for us to express our feelings, our needs. And when stress and fatigue increases, it can be even harder to be self-enlightened, okay? To be able to move from a positive place and not be reacting. Um, and what I mean by that is like, so if you have if you have a person that every time you walk in the house and all the cabinets are open, that can make you mad. You could lose your cool. You could, you could yell about it. You could get angry about it instead of just going over and closing them. So when things like that happen, I want to go back to what we were talking about, about finding a confidant. I want you to be able to speak up to family members and friends about your feelings and how that makes you angry and what kind of things you're doing to be proactive to try to move through that anger and get to a place of solace and contentment and no anger. Because it doesn't do anybody any good. They, your person will feed off of your emotions. And if you are angry with them, they will feel that. If you're intense, 
they're going to feel that. And we know, because I've said it a thousand times, they feed off your emotions. You get back what you give. So again, people, please think about the fact that uh, if you are showing anger, angst, anxiousness, um, sadness, your person's going to feed off of that and show that same energy back to you. And then you've got a whole nother host of problems. So I really want you to embrace the fact that it's okay to admit out loud to someone that you are confused or you need more information, you need more strategies and techniques or whatever it takes to get that help. Ask for help because if you don't, you're never going to move forward. No growth will take place. You're just going to be stuck. So if you want to be a martyr, by all means, be a martyr. Do it yourself. Don't ask for help. Don't try anything. And all I'm going to say to you is, how's that working for you? <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to pick on anybody today, but I'm telling you, the people that ask for help have a much easier time than the people who don't. So really, really think about that. So, you know, if you go to a social worker or, uh, you know, you can find social workers at pretty much all of your hospitals and most of your neurologists have social workers that will work with you. If you can maybe talk to somebody and, and say, I need help with directing better communication with my, with my person. I need to have stimulating conversations. Can you help me with that? Um, I don't want to react when I see something. So how do I act on it? So I'll give you a little example. So instead of, um, say you walk in and, um, the toilet's not flushed and somebody's had a bowel movement and the toilet paper's on the floor and the washcloths have been knocked off and they're on the floor and you're trying to not, not lose your cool and get angry being proactive, just saying to yourself, instead of saying, what happened here? Did you have an accident? Questioning the person in a way that shows judgment. Um, you could just say to yourself, all right, I'm going to just clean this up. I'm going to pick up the towel off the floor. I'm going to put it in the laundry basket and get a new towel. I'm just going to clean up this mess and flush the toilet. And the next thing I'm going to do is check my person and see if they you know, wet their pants or if they have made a mess or anything like that. And then maybe you go to the store and you buy Depends at that point. So you don't have to clean up messes anymore. That's what I mean by practicing assertiveness, okay? It's simple, but it's just looking at a situation and instead of reacting to it, trying to figure out how you can address the situation, put maybe better safety measures in place to ensure it doesn't happen again and be proactive about changing the situation so that that person's not set at a deficit when they can't, when they need to have their needs fulfilled and you're not around, what's going to supersede and, and be in the place of you. So in a case like that, maybe it's buying some depends at the grocery store. I just need to get a little drink when I talk too much. I get really dry. All right. So this is a big one. 
I want you to think about developing strategies for handling unhelpful advice. And Lord knows we get plenty of unhelpful advice, right? Sometimes, you know, a trusted friend or a doctor, a PA, whoever it is, they can tell us something that we don't want to hear. They want to help guide us to better and open communication. But sometimes you find yourself deluged with unsolicited suggestions. They, they mean well, but it feels like they're judging you, like you've made bad decisions, like you didn't handle that situation well. You reacted to it, okay? Um, I'll give you an example. Some, sometimes people will give a comment such as uh, putting in a nursing home or she doesn't seem that bad to me. I had a client that was just talking to me about that today that has friends go to uh, the nursing home that her husband is at and say, I don't know why you put him there. He seems fine. Well, all that does is create more stress. I mean, helpful advice is like a gift that you get, like a box with a bow. But if the advice isn't helpful or if it's critical, um, I want you to think of a few sort of stockpiled responses that you could give to that, like, well, thanks for your input or thank you for your concern. Um, I think that's a, a, that's a pretty interesting idea. I'll look into it. Maybe you won't. Maybe you will. Who knows? But think about ways that if somebody says something to you like, you know, what I just said, like uh, you should put him in a nursing home. I'm considering all my options, but I appreciate you posing your concern. Just have a stock answer that you give instead of, um, you know, something that includes an expletive and you flipping them off and walking out of the room mad. (laughs) I think that happens more often (laughs) than uh, trying to be very assertive about it. I really, really do. So let's avoid telling somebody to F off or flip them off or whatever it is. Really think about what can I say that will placate them or make them think that they have had a good idea that I should consider, even if I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And I can tell you, folks, making that decision to put your loved one in a nursing home, I have this conversation with my clients every single day. And when you've loved somebody your whole life, your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, whoever it is, making a decision to put their care in the hands of someone else is probably the single worst decision you will ever have to make. It's gut-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. It taxes every emotion that you have. And it tests your resolve of um, you thinking that you were good enough to care for that person until death do you part. Well, the fact of the matter is that nowhere in our vows, you know, it did say in sickness and in health, but it didn't say when that person no longer knows me and is pulling a gun on me, maybe I'm not safe anymore. Okay? Those promises are hard and they're difficult and they're not easy to make. And so when somebody enters your space and starts making 
conjecture about where they think that person should be or who should be caring for them, those are hurtful statements and they never, you never receive them well. So try to make up a couple little statements that you could make for yourself that will say, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. I'll take it into consideration instead of, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing fine. Are you saying I'm not doing a good job? Go away from the self-deprecating mode and try to get in a proactive stand. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more ideas of self-care. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so today I'm talking about self-care. What are some of the things that you, as the care partner, caregiver, need to do to make sure you're addressing your own needs? How can you make your life more peaceful? You know, putting in times when you can get away for a little bit, go get your hair cut, go to Target, whatever you want to do, right? Um, How can you have somebody else come in and and help you or talk with you or be a confidant or whatever you need. These are the things I think we need to address today and look at. So having having said that, talking about maybe going to Target or just getting outside to get a Starbucks or whatever, I want you to think about maintaining contact with the outside world. It's super important, okay? You devote all your energy towards your loved one. And sometimes you don't mean to, but you inadvertently shut out family and friends. They quit coming around. Maybe you didn't shut them out. Maybe they just quit coming around. That happens all the time, right? So part of the reason that happens is because eventually when your person becomes more impaired, you sort of cut out all those social activities, going out to dinner or or lunch with friends or something like that. You're cutting back on commitments. You don't go to church as often as you do. You're not attending any social, social meetings at all, right? But balance is important. And it's hard to keep those friends 
coming around if we're not telling them how we're feeling or we're not expressing to them when we could just use a friend. So I want you to try to maybe make one call a week to a friend that you've been too busy to give a call to or to talk to. Okay? I think that's always a good idea. Just text somebody to say you're thinking about them or text somebody to say, I could really use a friend today. If you have a few minutes, can we talk? Try that. You'd be amazed how many people would be there for you to help you, okay? So you can also make new friends. You can make new friends through your support groups. Uh, You can make it with the other spouses or family members at the daycare centers. Um, Any other programs that you're a part of, classes that you're taking, they can all offer the opportunity for you to meet other people from the outside who've walked a million miles in your shoes and can relate to maybe the loneliness and the sadness that you're dealing with. I, I just think that's, I, I think it's not just important. I think it's crucial. I think you've got to have those friends that you can talk to. It helps you to maintain your self-esteem and your positivity, your confidence, you know, and your, and your person with the diagnosis too. It helps them stay engaged just in life in general. So if you can continue to take them out, and I know I'm sick of this COVID. I'm sick of talking about COVID. See if you can get a shot and start getting out and about again. I'm telling you what, I would be losing my mind if I can't go have lunch somewhere some, you know, sometime or whatever. We're going to have to continue to wear masks for a long time and social distance for a long time. But once you get into a restaurant, you can take your mask off. And especially once you get a shot, which by the way, I'm super happy to report I got my, sh- my first shot today. Uh, I, I, I can't even, <laughs> I can't wait. I understand that uh, President Biden, that sounds so good to say, but President Biden, uh, he talked to Dr. Fauci, and in the United States, they want to give out a million vaccines a day. That's That's incredible. That's incredible. So if they can get that many out there, we're going to get rid of this stupid pandemic and be able to go out and have those social interactions that I'm talking about. But meanwhile, it might have to be a Zoom call. It might have to be a text. It might have to be a phone call or whatever you can utilize to alternate and do something that that maybe you can stay in your own house but you can still continue to see people from the outside and especially maintaining your, your open lines with your doctor so that they're aware of uh, changes that are happening and help you address them as well. Okay. So here's another thing. I want you to simplify your life. Simplify your life. Clean out your closet. <laughs> I'm doing that right now. I'm renovating my master bedroom. And my closet is getting bigger. My shower is getting huger. <laughs> I don't know if huger is a word. <laughs> oh, well, I can use a good laugh and all this serious talk. I'm getting a new bathtub and everything else, but I've had to move all the clothes out of that room down onto my pool table, okay? So I actually am going to practice what I preach here. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to go down and try to dramatically get rid of the zillions of clothes I have. 
And I am actually shocked at myself that I gave away about six 33-gallon bags of clothes, not only to Goodwill, but some to a friend of mine, and shoes and everything else. And I've still got a pool table full of clothes and a closet upstairs in my spare bedroom. So simplify these things for yourself. Think about getting rid of the clothes or, you know, say you got a collection of (laughs) 200 ceramic bunnies, or in my case, I've got like 85 bears, um, actual stuffed animal bears. Um, And it can feel overwhelming figuring out what you're going to do with them. Spring is coming. Start putting uh, maybe some tags on these things and have yourself a big old garage sale this year. Simplify, simplify, simplify. And if you find other things around the house that are cluttering, you know, ask, call in a company to come in and straighten it all out for you. They, there are companies that will come and, and get rid of your junk and help you organize the things in your house. And I bet you many of you out there could probably use that service. <laughs> But anyway, um, the reason I bring up the clothes and how many clothes I have and stuff like that, if, if you have a person that has Alzheimer's or whatever, whatever the dementia is, and they have a zillion clothes, that's a million choices to befuddle their brain first thing in the morning when they're trying to get dressed. So try to move out 90% of the clothes. Only leave like five or six pairs of pants and five or six or 10 shirts and some socks and keep it down to a really small, finite amount so that when they go in there, they have a 50-50 chance of picking things that would match or that they'd want to wear. Having an entire closet full of clothes serves no one. And I'm telling you, the Goodwills and the Arcs and, you know, places in your cities that uh, collect things for low-income families would use these things. They need clothes badly. So just get yourself those big old garbage bag, um, black black bag things, you know, you use for your big garbage can outside. Start filling those suckers up and taking them over to Goodwill. It will make you feel better. When you clean out your house and stuff like this and you simplify all that crap, it makes it less cumbersome for you. It makes it less overwhelming. So think about those kind of things. Um, You know, you can maybe even get rid of some of those, uh, like, gifts. Oh, man, how many of us? How many of us get something for Christmas that you know you're never going to use? You get that little, you know, snow globe or You get some gift that you think, oh, my Lord, where am I going to put this? And I don't even know how to use it. And even if I didn't know how to use it, I don't know what I'd do with it. Put those things in a pile. Save them for regifting at Christmas time. Just make sure you don't give it back to the person that gave it to you. Oh, man. Uh, You guys have to forgive me because I had a pretty stressful drive into the studio today. And I... Even while I'm talking to you, I'm getting texts about some issues that I'm trying to resolve um, in my work world, and it never leaves me. This is why I have this podcast. These kinds of things never leave me. I can't escape them. And even if I say to somebody, uh, I text them on a little break, and I say, I'm recording my show, can't talk right now. 
<laughs> they call me back anyway. Uh, welcome to your world, right? Right? This is stuff you all live with every day. Somebody asking you a question 15 times, um, repetitive questions, just the, just the monotonous work that we have to do as caregivers. That's why I decided today to talk about how we can de-stress ourselves. Um, if, it, if I could, I would not, I would have like a second phone, like a burner phone, so that I could use my timer that I use when I'm trying to do the podcast and not have it connected to anybody calling me or texting me. <laughs> If anybody's got suggestions for that, feel free to email me. I can learn every day too, you know, I can learn something new. So anyway, think about those kinds of things, okay? And and maybe think about uh, going through your house, finding those items, start putting them in a corner in the basement, start putting some tags on them. Um, and so you so if you do decide to have like a garage sale to eliminate you know, whatever items you have and simplify your life. You don't have to do it all at one time on the Friday night before you have the garage sale. I'm going to take my own advice and I swear to you, I'm going to uh, start this weekend because I've got about three weeks before I can move everything back into my bedroom. I'm going to start and I'm going to tell you all how it was working for me. Okay. (laughs) All right. Now, do you ever have any creative impulses? I get them all the time. I'm a Starbucks chai tea fanatic. Oh my God. I could drink one of those every single day. So you have, you have creative ideas. You have things you want to do. You have impulses that you want to, you know, expand on and, and try, try out. Is it learning a new language? Is it, you know, maybe making a new cross stitch? Is it, you, putting a puzzle together or or making them uh, like a like a toy car building a toy car what is it is it is it flower arranging things like that painting painting pictures uh, playing cards what are those creative expressions that you could pull out of a hat and use them to help you find a place where you're you're working on something more positive, where you're taking a step back from the day-to-day care that you have with your loved ones, and you're trying to do things just for yourself. I think painting's a great idea. I've spoken many times about journaling. Why don't you journal, write poems, novels? You know, if you sing, write a song. Um, write a short story, write a book about your journey. You know, people want to know, they want to know how it's going through, through their life. Um, what, what can you do? What creative outlets can you explore to maybe help you feel like you're channeling that anger, that sadness, that despair, into more positive outlets. Think about that. Think about that. What could you do? What are you good at? What are you not good at, but something you've always wanted to do? You want to learn to play a musical instrument? You want to volunteer somewhere? You know, it's easier to have the things that you can do at home because we're still stuck in this stupid pandemic. But 
if you can find a few things and you can have somebody come over and give you time to go out and do them, you're going you're gonna to be much better off for it, okay? Now, I want to move to a thing that is really important, something I really want you to think about, and that is listening to your body. Is your body saying you are overwhelmed? Are you feeling poorly? Are you having to go to the hospital from as, for asthma attacks and stuff like that? You know, I, I've said on this show many times, there's a very high percentage, it's close to 70% of caregivers who get sick, injured, or die before their loved one that they're caring for. I mean, it happens all the time. So I've got a client who I've been talking to for about seven months about moving her husband into a care community. And it had nothing to do with her husband. He could have gone a long time ago. He could have gone a year ago. But I was worried about her because she has a bad heart. She has a bad heart. And I say to people all the time, you know, that your loved one has a disease. You don't. So do what you can to make sure you are healthy. Listen to your body. Are you having more aches and pains? Are you having chest pains? Are you achy? Are you not sleeping? Um, are you getting more angry and upset and intense? You know, these are things I really want you to think about because I'm telling you, you can have a much greater risk of premature disability and, dare I say it again, death than others, other people that are similar to you, your age, that don't provide care. Okay? And I'm telling you, the stress that comes from the tasks of caregiving are enormous I see people literally having back aches and headaches and higher blood pressure and things that can cause strokes like that. Uh, I see it every single day. I see it every single day. So please, please make a concerted effort to eat right, eat good foods, exercise, pamper yourself. Get regular massages, practice meditation, you know, other things that will bring that, that, uh, the reward to you of, um, oh, what's that, what's that called? Endorphins. Get all those endorphins flowing in your body that make you happy and make you feel good and make you feel, you know, like you can go on and, and give you that smile on your face that sometimes seems to be missing, right? Yeah. So... Also, this, this falls into the category of just being good to yourself, right? You need to carve out time for yourself for you to make that bubble bath that you want, to work that hobby that you want, to call that friend that you need to talk to, or anything that gives you pleasure. For me, it's throwing on a pair of headphones and listening to some music. I could do that all day long. Music makes me happy, right? Things that give you pleasure, you should explore more often, okay? Give yourself a present whenever you can. Go to Kohl's and buy a new sweater. Get that blender you always wanted and start making those green 
silly drinks that are good for us, you know? Whatever. Go fishing. Go fishing. Fish don't talk back. They don't have repetitive questions. So it's nice to be able to sit at a pond and, you know, cast your line and have a beer or whatever. I'm telling you, that's something we can do during COVID. You can go to a fishing pond and pop the top on a cold one and relax and and enjoy your day. And I am all for that. I am all for that. Go to a farmer's market. Do something, again, that makes you happy. I'm going to give you a great example of that for myself. So I take care of my sister. And of recent, I've had to do a lot of stuff for my brother as well, who I have well-documented has FTD. And so I just out of the blue decided that I'm going to do a countdown to 60. This is my being good to myself. I'm going to do a, a countdown to my 60th birthday, which is next December. December 20th, and I am going to highlight on Facebook people that do something extraordinary for somebody else just out of the goodness of their heart. That's amazing. So I'll give you an example. Back to the music. This month, I highlighted this group called Black Violin, and it's this hip-hop duo that um, when they were kids, they were living in what they call the hood in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and they didn't have access to a lot of things. They they had lower-income housing that they were living in and so on and so forth. And these two boys were getting in trouble when they were, you know, really young, like 9 and 10. And so these moms decided to put their boys in some kind of a music class in their school. Well, the only thing that they had was a viola and a violin. So one got one and one got the other. Well, these guys grew up, and one's name is Kev Marcus, and the other guy's name is Will. Oh, I can't think of his name right now. It'll come to me. Anyway, these two guys who were friends decided to learn these instruments, well, because their moms made them, actually, but they went on to being really good, classically trained viola and violinists, and they got scholarships to colleges based on music, and now these guys have given back to 100,000 kids in their hometown um, by putting a music school, a really nice, fancy music school with a zillion instruments, in the middle of this low housing income neighborhood. And they are providing this to these families for free, uh, for families that can't afford it, and a low cost for the families who can. And so I made them my Talents of the Soul Countdown to 60 people that I was honoring this month. I I get enormous joy and love out of my Facebook friends reading about these people that they never would have known about before. And that gives me enormous joy in my life. So I want you to think about things like that, things that you can do that you can either put that attention outward or you can put it inward and and see what you can do to bring that joy to yourself. It matters. I mean, wouldn't we all like to go on a vacation to Tahiti? Yeah, of course we would. We want that. We want that. Um, that little cabana on the water. But how many of us are going to get that? Right? We're not. So we have to figure out how do we make these little mini vacations on our staycation 
workforce. How do we make them fun? How do we make them calm? How do we make them beautiful? How do we make them beautiful so we enjoy them? And relaxing. So just a couple more things I wanted to talk to you about here. You know, I've talked about planning ahead. Always plan ahead. Always have a plan. If you don't plan to be successful, you're going to plan to fail. I'm telling you that. So get a workable plan. Make it easy. Write down some ideas that you're going to do for yourself, creative ideas that you're going to do for yourself. And think about, you know, what the cost is going to be, what the circumstances are going to be. Can you get somebody to give you the respite? All those kind of things. Plan, 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 plan. This is a big one. I want you to forgive yourself and others. I want you to forgive those people that give you those ideas they think are so great, but you feel like they're judging you. And we've come up with those little statements that we were going to make that we talked about a little while ago. Um, but forgive them, okay? Their motive may be love and concern, even if what they said, you know, just sucked and didn't wasn't helpful at all, you know. But probably they came from a place of love and concern, and we're going to go with that because that's our positive thinking kicking in. That's us, you know, trying to do some of the things I talked about before where you're being assertive. <laughs> Act and don't react. Um, give yourself permission to make mistakes so you didn't put the right technique in place. Big deal. Try again tomorrow. If something doesn't work one day, it might work the next. You're going to have bad days. All right? Sometimes you're going to be angry. Sometimes you're going to feel ashamed of yourself that you didn't handle something well. Well, big deal. Let it go. Let it go. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. We don't need to be perfect ever at any time. We have ups and downs. Our friends have up and ups and downs. You'd be surprised who may be able to empathize with that with you and just provide a good ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on when you need it. And I want you to write down your caregiving experiences. I want you to think about everything I've talked about today. Go back, play it back, write down what's happening throughout the day. Keep a diary or a journal about the experiences that worked and some that didn't. And maybe keep them in categories of things that worked and some that didn't. Um, and let that diary or journal become a problem-solving tool for you that you can go back and say, hey, the way I handled that worked really well. Now maybe I can try something down that same path this time. Um, and that, that can really help you give, give yourself a, a place to vent and not want to go outside and scream or scream into a pillow and scare your neighbors and dogs and cats and stuff like that. Um, and it gives you a place to write down things that you can't say in public. And if you want to drop an F-bomb, you can drop it if you want to in your journal where your friends may be shocked if you do it if you were talking to them. <laughs> it's back to we are not we are not perfect, right? Um, if you have a, if you have a uh, good preacher, pastor, something like that, make sure you're fulfilling your own spiritual needs. And for goodness sakes, maintain a sense of humor. Having a good laugh every now and then is awesome. I mean, it makes your it makes your heart feel good. 
It just is awesome. So try to find that sense of humor. Watch I Love Lucy. Watch a TV show that makes you laugh. For me, it's Friends. I love Friends. I love that show. I watch it night before I go to bed. And I laugh like I never saw the show before. Are you kidding me? I could, I could tell you what they say before they even say Say it. I have uh, I have literally watched those shows so many times. I know every single line. But lighten up your life. Lighten up the challenges in life. Look for the things that are going to help you to find more peace and more happiness in every day. Okay? And even people who practice the best practices, uh, that have the good activities, that have all that stuff uh, working for them, they still have the challenges of caregiving and they are still overwhelmed at times. So don't think you're the only one that ever made a mistake or did something wrong, okay? There are tremendous challenges with being a caregiver. And, you know, it is really, really hard. So just give yourself a break. But I literally want you to go back and maybe think about replaying this this show today and writing down some of the ideas that I gave you and putting all this into play. I think you will be so much better off and I think you will be very, very happy that you did. And hey, let's all have a garage sale. Maybe we can have like a um, a garage sale day that all my listeners around the world will have a garage sale on that day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I love you all. I know caregiving is hard. I know being a care partner is hard. But I care. Remember, I have my classes that you can attend. They are free of charge. You just have to sign up on summitresiliencetraining.com to join us. And they're always under my events. So, folks, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.